Oh, man, am I fired up this week. You are excited. <laughs> oh, man. Are we going to hear the campfire sound effect early? Uh, No. No, but okay. I do have a special sound effect queued up ready for you. Uh, listeners, Ooh. thank you so much for joining us in the cabin today on our special Halloween episode. And this is Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and today, much like George Romero and the Night King from Game of Thrones and God himself, we are raising the dead. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is you, an intense start to the you podcast. You are so prepared for this cold open. We're breathing new life in a <laughs> series that we did last year around this time, Haunted Wisconsin. And boy, are we better prepared for that than ever. So prepared. I'm so excited. I'm <laughs> I'm ready to get it like a little creeped out, honestly. So I'm ready. You're so excited to get creeped out? I'm so excited. All but right. I would never say that other than any day other than today. Yeah, you never say our... that in the bars or anything. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I'm only saying that because of our special guest. Yes. And oh we'll, my gosh. we'll get to that. But... Uh, up top, I just want us all to appreciate the fact that telling scary stories and the like, you can't deny that it elicits an emotional response, and that is just good storytelling. So mm -hmm. regardless of For your sure. beliefs and everything like that, I'm just so excited to hear some more spooky stuff about this state. It's like year two of Haunted Wisconsin. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. I love Halloween. Oh, my I'm gosh. Sorry. All right. Well, before we can get into it and introduce our special guest, Eric, do you want to tell us about our county of the week? Sure. Why not? Go for it. I don't know where this ranks in terms of uh, spooky counties. I don't we know. should do a spooky county countdown. That would be kind of fun. But this week's county, because we're brought to you by the Wisconsin Counties Association, is Marathon County which is the largest county in Wisconsin by land area. And, of course, Wausau, that whole area is right in there. It is home to some very interesting points, including Rib Mountain, which was thought for decades to be the highest point in Wisconsin. Turns out it's not. Mm -hmm. Tim's Hill nearby is, but uh, Rib Mountain, very tall point, about 1,700-plus uh, feet above sea level, home to the Granite Peak Ski Area. And, of course, it's actually uh, the, the I forgot the word, promontory or something like that. It's Ooh. got the highest point relative to the average elevation around it. Oh, sure. Hmm. It stands out for miles and miles. And, actually, if you're driving on, like, Highway 29 or something and you're coming in from the west, you can see it from about 15, 20 miles away. Hmm. And speaking of being west on 29, right near there is Poniatowski. You know what's cool about Poniatowski? The fact that you can pronounce it? I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, to be <laughs> okay. honest. But uh, right near there, in the middle of a cornfield, is a major geographic point on our world globe. The Which intersection is... of 45 oh, degrees yeah. north, halfway between the North Pole and the equator, and the 90th meridian west, which is halfway between the international date line and the prime meridian, which is zero degrees, runs right through London. Very Those nice. two points... Alrighty. There's four of those points on Earth. Only two are on land. One's like in the middle of remote China somewhere. The other one is accessible. You can actually walk to it. They've uh, plowed a little pathway into the field and put a little marker area up there. Mm. Mariah and I visited that in our ginseng episode of Wausau a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. You can stand on the exact halfway point across the Western Hemisphere and the theoretical halfway point of the Northern Hemisphere because the Earth flattens a little bit at the poles. It's technically a few miles north, but it's still the 4590 mark. 
Wow. I would like to point out that once again, Eric did not have notes <laughs> written for that. He just had that in the back of his mind. I've been there, I've written about it. It's committed to memory. So a lot of cool oh stuff in Marathon County. Oh, by the way, also, if you love uh, cliff jumping, I don't know, you know, maybe 30, 40 feet high into beautiful waters, the Dells of the Eau Claire River are there in Marathon County, a little bit northeast of Wausau. It's gorgeous, uh, not to be confused with the Eau Claire River that goes through Eau Claire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's two of them. That just means Clearwater in French, so mm-hmm. it's a popular name. Uh, and, uh, of course, speaking of Eau Claire. Does that bring us to our guest today? That brings us to our guest. Yeah. And our campfire conversation. Let's light it up. Yes. It feels good. You know, it's getting <laughs> cold outside nowadays. Yeah. I just mm. wish some of that cold air would get in our studio here. But. I know. We, we, have, <laughs> we do not lack for uh, warmth in yeah. the cabin. No, here. we do not. Yeah. But anyway, like we said, happy Halloween week, listeners. Last year around this time, we did that Haunted Wisconsin series, and we covered Wisconsin's most haunted places and unsolved mysteries of Wisconsin and did Wisconsin ghost towns. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, for I think I said this on those episodes, but for most of those, all the research I was doing was on this great little book that I found sitting on my bookshelf. And I'm so excited because the author of said book is here with us. He is a paranormal investigator, author, researcher, and lecturer. So Chad Lewis, thank you so much for being on the cabin today. I'm so excited to talk to you. We're all so excited. Yeah. Greetings from the Northwoods of Wisconsin. (laughs) Yeah. That was the funny thing. I don't think, I definitely did not realize in looking up all of like your research and because you've written a lot of books uh, that you actually are from and still live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So that's even more exciting um, mm-hmm. for all of us here. Yes, I'm uh, from, born and raised in Eau Claire, a sawdust city as it's known in the region for our <laughs> lumberjack history as yeah. well. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, we have to ask, you know, you you do have a robust um, academic background to you. How did you get into being a paranormal investigator? I blame my interest in the strange and unusual on Wisconsin. Mm. I grew up near Elmwood, Wisconsin, which is one of the three UFO capitals of the world that we claim to have here in our state. So in high school, I was hearing about all these people seeing UFOs in the nearby town. So I went and interviewed people just to get a a grasp of what they were seeing, why they were reporting so many bizarre lights and crafts and interactions in Elmwood. And then that following fall, I started studying psychology at UW-Stout. And that's what I was really interested in is why some people believe in all this stuff and others do not. What was it about human perception or belief system? So I started researching that in college and then went through grad school and ended up doing my master's thesis on students' belief in the paranormal. Wow. And it just kind of went from there. I love that. Very cool. Oh, my gosh. So you have an entire master's degree and thesis on this, but can you sum up why some people do (laughs) believe and some people just refuse? (laughs) Well, the obviously uh, obvious one is if you've had an experience with something, whether it's ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, out-of-body experience, whatever it may be, you're more likely to believe that it's real than somebody who hasn't. That's pretty obvious. But what I also found is that if you knew somebody that you trusted that had an experience, you were also more likely to believe in it than somebody who didn't know someone, at least the possibility of it happening. And I also found a lot of gender differences. Men were statistically more likely to believe in things that I call external, 
vampires, Bigfoot, werewolves, <laughs> things you hmm. can hunt, kill, ghosts. <laughs> where, you know, women, uh, the gender, were statistically more likely to believe in what I call internal things. ESP, out-of-body experience, uh, oh, telekinesis. Wow. Things that, you know, internal rather than external. So those were different as well. Uh, being that I was dealing mostly with college students, the uh, education factor didn't play in as much as it does in other studies with the general public, showing that the more education you have, the more likely you are to believe in the possibility of these things, which is contrary to what you see in the media or Hollywood when every UFO encounters 90 miles in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> True. Wow. Interesting. Well, and that may be because you nat just naturally have a more open mind to distinct possibilities, but you may also have kind of an intellectual level of skepticism about specifics on it, right? Yes. And of course, there's all kinds of looking at religiosity and spirituality and how much research somebody's done on the topic. Uh, I remember when I was first doing conferences in the Midwest 20-some years ago, a lot of people would say, I'm not interested, none of this is real. And then you asked how much research they had done, and they hadn't done any, mm -hmm. and vice versa. So oftentimes, just how much exposure somebody has, which in today's world is every TV station in the country is airing paranormal shows. Especially the other, this week. The uh, other night I happened to be at a hotel on one of my lectures flipping through the stations and every station had something paranormal. Uh, you know, travel had paranormal. There was no travel shows. Animal Planet <laughs> had paranormal, no animal shows. It's, it's really just a craze uh, today. Was oh it gosh. paranormal animal stuff, like squirrel spirits coming back <laughs> to haunt like other squirrels? Or <laughs> You'd be amazed at how many TV production companies have contacted me. And I know you're joking about that, but I had a production company contact me about a decade ago wondering if I'd be interested in doing a show with psychic animals. Oh. And Ooh. I don't know if they pictured me riding in on an, uh, an elephant that could read minds or something, but... So some of the theories now that they're coming up with or the plots are truly bizarre. They're just really interesting. Wow. I can see where some of that would come in, though. I mean, we've talked about how, like, dogs and cats can kind of sense the vibes that earthquakes might be imminent, for mm -hmm. example. You know, they might possess that I some say, of those capabilities. I fully believe, too, that cats can see... Well, cats, cats can always tell. Yeah. That's why they're so disinterested in this dimension. Oh, exactly, <laughs> they're right? They're so bored with it. <laughs> but cats instinctively know when you need some comfort, so they like to come over and just turn around and put their butt right in your face. And, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's how cats I've heard from us. a lot of people who have had what they thought was a paranormal experience that were first kind of aware of it or tipped off by their strange reaction of their animals. Hmm. Whether it was a cat staring at something off in the distance and then they saw a shadowy figure move or the yeah. dogs becoming very scared at a certain area to find out that someone had been murdered there. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes mm -hmm. they are kind of a tipping point. And if we think that animals often have better sight, hearing and other senses smell than us, if there is such a thing as a sixth sense, maybe they're better at that as well. Okay, what producer here in Discover Wisconsin would take on that episode? Because I think we need to make it with Chad. <laughs> 
Ooh, I don't know. Ooh, I'm not someone, sure. someone would do it. Yes. Any <laughs> oh, of our I producers. I thought you had somebody in mind. <laughs> no, I'm asking. Any of our Discover Wisconsin producers, uh, someone pick up this episode because yeah. I, I need it. <laughs> well, let's get back to the book because um, we wanted to talk about, I, I don't know if we even mentioned the, the title. It's The Probably Wisconsin not. Road Guide to Haunted Locations. Mm-hmm. So basically, from what I gathered, you took a bunch of like local stories and local folklore and went out to these places to investigate for yourself, right? Yes. Back in early 2000s, 2001, 2002, my colleague and I, Terry Fisk, were traveling around Wisconsin to places with supernatural reputations. And we were looking to put a website together. So what we found is going to these places is that Many of them, the directions were horrible back then. Spend the whole day trying to find this backwoods cemetery. The stories were embellished. They were often made up. They were conflated with other legends. So we said, let's save ourselves a heck of a lot of time. Let's go to the bookstore, buy a book that'll tell us how to get there, what to expect, and the real history. And there wasn't one. So that's when we decided in 2003 to say, let's do it ourselves then. And that's how the road guide came about. Fair enough. Fair nice. Yeah, and I, I noticed there are some of those stories where that's the end conclusion that you come to. is just like, eh, this is just a kind of creative town and these stories have been passed along. But some of them, I noticed that locals, you would show up and locals wouldn't want to talk about these stories. What was kind of the reaction from some of the people when you showed up and wanted to stir up these stories? Well, remember, this was 25 years ago as well. And when we went to a place, whether it was a B&B, a restaurant, a hotel, whatever it was, they'd say, we don't want to talk to you because we don't want to be in your book because if people find out we're haunted, nobody's going to come here. And then (laughs) they said, go ahead, put us in your book. Who's going to read that thing anyway? (laughs) (laughs) What a great vote of confidence. (laughs) And now I'm getting emails from them saying, thank you so much for putting us in the book or books because people come here specifically Mm -hmm. because of the haunted legend. What you think repels people draws them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I think when today's world, when you can be in any city and see the same restaurants, the same hotels, the same businesses, having something unique or a legend that really can't be duplicated somewhere else, I think that's a plus. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So I think this is like a very general question, but do you have one, you know, spot in there in that book or just something you've experienced that really stands out above the rest as like a really paranormal moment or a favorite story? Well, I I love the creepy stories. And uh, (laughs) it's a love-hate relationship that I wrote a book on the most gruesome hauntings of the Midwest. And for that entire year I was working on it, I had the worst nightmares I had ever had in my entire life where I would get done researching a case for the day and I'd need to cleanse my palate with a Hallmark Christmas movie, you know, (laughs) to reset myself, which... I think that's I'd how I got have terrifying on, uh, dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I got addicted to Hallmark. But um, but I think I love the the sinister ones, even though they they creep me out and I hate going to them. And one of my favorite and least favorite places is in Plainfield, uh, the mm. haunting associated with Ed Gein and all of his uh, odd behavior back in the nineteen fifties that have left the town thinking that they're cursed by Ed's spirit, even though nobody in town wants to talk about their grisly history. Yeah. Mm. 
I'm actually not familiar. Would you mind sharing some some details from that town? Oh, boy. Sure. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Ed Gein, and oh this might be a good time for <laughs> parents with children to move on for the next two, three minutes. Um, you might recognize some of the movies they based about Ed's story, including Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs, and uh, I won't get into a lot of the details, but uh, unspeakable things that we won't get into, but... Yeah. Um, Ed's long gone, and once they found out how evil his crimes were, they wanted to open his house and the barn as a roadside attraction, a house of horrors that you could go and pay to go see. But before they were able to do so, his house mysteriously burned to the ground. The townsfolk torched it, allegedly. But the land's still there. The hardware store where he is still there. The cemetery where he are still there. So a lot of people think it's cursed by Ed Gein. Aren't you oh glad you asked, Susan? <laughs> well, okay, we had to have some listeners who also did not know. So. I, I'm sure yeah. we did, but as soon as you as soon as soon you asked Dave and I just We're looked at like, each other, like, oh, I saw both of your faces. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can cut that. Whatever you do, do not Google Ed Gein. You'll be yeah. cursing my that name. Yeah, don't Google him. Yeah, I well. will never Google that name. I That two minutes was all I needed. So thank you, Chad. <laughs> Yes. So I love cases like that that have a a background that you can at least state that something did occur there. Whether or not it's haunted, I'm not sure, but at least we have an origin story for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of one of those towns where they don't really want to dig up that history and stuff like that. Do you have any examples of places that have just like kind of fully embraced and kind of made it especially touristy where there's attractions and places you can stay that like if people are looking to go kind of research some of this, that it might be a good place for them to go? Yes, a lot of places are now marketing themselves as a paranormal hotspot. <laughs> um, several places that come to mind in Milwaukee, the Brumder uh, Mansion B&B will give haunted tours. The Rave, the Eagles uh, Club, <laughs> the ballroom there. I've seen many scary um, shows at the Rave. <laughs> yes. You know, they're giving uh, candlelight haunted tours of the place where you can go downstairs Uh, off times and experience it. But then in the same area, you have the Ambassador Hotel, Kitty Corner to the Rave in Mm -hmm. Milwaukee, where Jeffrey Dahmer took a few victims back in the 1980s, where they, for good reason, don't want to talk about it at all. Or you have the Fister in Milwaukee, where many of the Mm -hmm. teams that come in to play the Milwaukee Brewers refuse to stay there (laughs) because there's so much haunted activity, which I think it should be a rule that they have to stay there so they don't get <laughs> I know, we, we were That was helping with our home field advantage. Yeah, the MLB yeah. and NBA players that were visiting, yeah. they're all starting to, like, book in the Kimpton and some other places. <laughs> they're scared of the – but the Fister dates back to 1893, and uh, Guido was Fister's first name. Guido Fister opened that hotel. Hmm. And, yeah, the rumors are – rampant about things and i have some friends who stayed there and they're like yeah a couple weird creepy things have happened here like hmm. towels will move in different spots in the bathroom without them knowing and stuff like that and, interesting well, do so. we know why because it's not the first that's definitely not the first time i've heard the fister is uh-huh. haunted especially for those sports teams but yeah i don't know is it past players that are like get out 
<laughs> Maybe. That'd be good. It's a good question. Okay. Yeah. I was curious. Go do your own research, Susan. I mm-hmm. will book my stay immediately. And uh, you weren't done with Milwaukee yet, were you? Because I know there's one place I'm thinking of that. Well, yeah, Milwaukee, obviously, you have Sea Serpents of Lake Michigan. You have uh, Shaker's Cigar Bar, which is pretty popular. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. They do massive tours all the time. Hmm. And then we can't even forget about the walking tours that are all over Wisconsin, from Wisconsin Dells to Madison to the Northwoods, where uh, it's a haunted history tour that you can go on a walk and experience some of the local history and mystery. Mm-hmm. Whitewater also does a lot with uh, paranormal witchcraft. We did it. We did an episode yeah. on Whitewater, and that was a big chunk mm-hmm. of our of our episode. In fact, yeah, it was about a, two years ago. Right now, we did mm-hmm. like the pumpkin tour, but then we went into like the area where all the witches used to meet and the old water tower. And yeah. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, that stuff. Even uh, even the local brewery there, they have a craft brewery called Second Salem because mm-hmm. mm. the the history of the of the witches and so what whitewater does call itself a second salem and you really feel the it really gets into your psyche yeah interesting so i have been to salem salem but not massachusetts uh, yeah oh, but not which definitely has a that has a weird energy i'm sure i'm sure you've been there chad <laughs> i have not it's oh, one no. of the few okay paranormal places of the world i haven't been yet but uh, oh whitewater is great because i get so many uh uh, emails and calls from people in Whitewater about the Book of the Dead. Uh, mm. This is supposed to be a book. Some say it's at the university library. Some say it's at the public library. And that if you check the book out, it will cause your death either at your own hands or a freak accident. And I don't know who keeps returning it, but every time <laughs> it gets checked out, yeah. it causes a death. And I don't legend know who keeps is it's it taken, Who would yeah, check it's that out? Like, 10 students and professors, their lives. And so every year, and I've spoken at the library in Whitewater, and every year the librarians contact me and say, do not send people here. We don't have the book. We're not going to check it out, which is exactly what you would expect those sneaky librarians (laughs) to tell you. So which is it? You don't have it or you're not going to check it out? Well, one told me that if they did have it, they would check it out because they're not in the business of keeping people alive. They're in the business of <laughs> handing out information. I guess so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. Talk about a theory we can never research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the ring before video. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Are they ever going to do a movie version of this book? Because that'll be they scary. They should. <laughs> Man, oh my gosh. can you imagine that streaming somewhere? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, well, I know in even in Door County, they do a haunted trolley tour that mm. does like ghost stories and kind of fun stuff like that, which. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That would be fun to do. Yeah. And in Wisconsin, we have probably more haunted, allegedly haunted saloons and bars than any other state as well. And mm. um, many years back, a gentleman contacted me and said, my best friend's getting married. He loves all kinds of ghost stuff. And this was, you know, when the internet was just getting going. So he said, I want to do a bachelor party where we hire a bus and a driver only to go to haunted bars. Wow. Could you put that together for us? Oh, my God. I said, I love the idea. I'll do it. So I gave them a list of ones in their area. And Monday rolled around. And sure enough, he contacted me and said, yes, they went to all these places. They hired the driver. They got the whole bachelor party together. And I said, did anything weird happen on your adventure? 
And he said, oh, a lot of weird stuff, but nothing paranormal. So, (laughs) you know, it illustrates that I get so many people who do these things as mother-daughter weekends. Um, As I said, bachelor parties, geocaching, motorcycle cruise, and uh, going to these places, and Mm -hmm. family vacations. So it really is a whole segment of paranormal tourism. Yeah, because you, I mean, the best part of going on those tours and seeing these places is probably like psyching each other up and feeding off each other's energy. Yeah. Chad, have you personally had a particularly uh, weird, unique experience? (laughs) I think in the thousands of places I've been, it's rare that something out of the ordinary happens. But when it does, for me at least, it's always very subtle. We'll capture some um, fog or mist that wasn't visible to the naked eye on our uh, photos. Or we'll hear something that the audio recorder doesn't record or vice versa. Um, For instance, I was at a ledge haunted cemetery once, walking around, dark, had some colleagues spread out years ago, and I had a flashlight and some other recording something in my hand. And I'm just walking as you do, and all of a sudden my hand hit someone. So I said, oh, sorry, thought it was a colleague, but nobody was there. But I was swore my hand hit something solid. But was that paranormal or something else? Wow. Those are the type of things that always seem to uh, occur when I'm at these places. Yeah. Hmm. So Just enough to make you wonder. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's the trick with, you know, the paranormal and the unknown. There's there's evidence of things that we can't prove mm-hmm. and in many cases see. And that's why I think we're all so fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, like you also said earlier, Chad, it definitely is a you have to already be on board with believing it to kind of accept the information. So Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I found over my last thirty years that if people go to some place expecting something to happen they are much more likely to report something happening than those who do not. Now, whether it's because they open themselves up to experiencing it or bring it forward, or you know, they're more likely to take a rational explanation and twist it paranormal, I don't know. But I have found that if you go there expecting something, usually something does happen. Oh, my gosh. So all these places, now that, now that you expect something to be up with them, Maybe. Now they're going to be haunted. Now they're going to be haunted. <laughs> well, and there's rumors like old old mansions, like Summer Winds. Yeah. Up near Land Lakes. I've, I looked for that one day, and I was very close to it, but I prioritized uh, the Dairy Maid drive-in instead <laughs> and had a burger. But, um, <laughs> you know, some of those places, like, they try to burn ha- haunted houses down, but the spirits are supposedly still there. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't know what the limitations are in these things. I mean, if they're spirits, they can be anywhere, anytime, for any reason. Right. right? And that's why you have so many of these places that are thought to be haunted that throughout their history, there may have been many different things, whether it was a furniture store, funeral parlor, bar and grill, hair salon, whatever. And today they're still experiencing these things as though whatever's there is somehow attracted to the location itself rather than perhaps the people around it. Hmm. Yeah, if someone passes away and they spent all their time in the local bar, then you're going to expect their spirit to be hanging out there still. <laughs> Probably. Well, and also in the argument that at that point, I mean, time doesn't exist for them. So, you Whoa, know. we're getting deep, man. Whoa. Man. Well, but it would make sense. It's not like they're consciously being like, it's 300 years of sitting yeah. at this bar. <laughs> well, when yeah. the time-space continuum no longer applies to you, I think it opens up a lot of possibilities. That is so, <laughs> so true. <laughs> you know. That ghost at the bar has just been waiting for the bartender to bring him his drink for 
years and years. For decades. <laughs> hey, I'm down here. I'm down here. <laughs> where's my hams? <laughs> Actually, for old Claire, where's my Walters? <laughs> Remember yes, that? Yes, where's my oh. Walters? We even take lining kugels in Eau Claire. It's close enough in Chippewa Falls. Perfect. That, but and, and it makes sense that uh, people, you know, if we when we die, if we do become a ghost or what, why would you hang out in a cemetery? Why wouldn't you hang out in the places where some of your friends might be there alive? Yeah. Which is why we have so many haunted theaters and so many other entertainment places that are thought to be cursed or haunted. Um, if that's the case, maybe that explains it. That's a go. great point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any other questions? Otherwise, are we ready to? No, I just want to get more philosophical on all these. I issues. know. Yeah. Well, we could. We, <laughs> we could probably spend some hours Floyd on this. And, like, <laughs> dive in. Oh my gosh, uh, Chad! Thank you so much for coming on the cabin today to talk yeah. to us about some some paranormal activity. Is there any last like thing you want to say or like story you want to share with us? Well, again, don't take my word for it either way. The best way to discover whether these legends are true is to get out there and explore. And I think you'll find, you'll meet weird people, you'll hear odd <laughs> stories, and I think you'll discover that sometimes the weirdest and scariest thing out there is often yourself. So mm. get out there and explore. Uh, Wisconsin is a beautiful state to take the back roads and you'll be amazed at what you're not even planning to run into. I wholeheartedly agree. That is Love perfect. my road trips on there. And this is a great guide for it. The book is The Wisconsin Road Guide to Haunted Locations. It's available on Amazon. Yeah, is there any, anything else you want to plug, Chad? I, don't, I know yeah. you yeah. said you wrote that a while ago. Is there anything more up to date that you want to push people towards? No, if you want to tell me a story, you want to find more information... Just go to my website. It has more than you could ever possibly want or need. <laughs> or think of the weirdest case you can. Go out there, and that's probably where you'll find me. Very nice. That's fantastic. Chad Lewis, thank you so much for being on The Cabin. Yeah. Keep an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Thanks, Chad. Take care. Thank you. I could Whoa. talk about that Boy, that for was fun. hours. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah. We love talking about things we don't fully know about because it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Well. Have I mentioned I love Halloween? <laughs> Once or bit, twice, Dave. A little bit. A little bit. Just so happy over here. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you again for that recommendation of that book. Yeah. yeah. How cool is it to actually have, you know. Yeah. The Super expert. Cool. Yeah. You know, we were talking about old haunted hotels. Let's talk about new comfy hotels. Not All haunted right. hotels. Great places to stay in. Well, if you're doing your road trip, by the way, looking for haunted places, there are a ton of great options across the state to stay in a cobblestone hotel, which is the official hotel chain of Discover Wisconsin. They started in Clintonville, which is where front-wheel drive and four-wheel drive were invented. <laughs> Back in 2008, I remember seeing it. it was just a hotel by its lonesome forever and ever. Then I started seeing more, and now there's a ton of them. Uh, actually, across the country, there's quite a few. Uh, but there's many in Wisconsin, and their whole goal is to deliver big city quality, make it a really nice upscale, nice hotel in small towns, bringing the small town values at the same time. So uh, they're one of the fastest growing hotel brands in the country. Uh, you can see all of our... Uh, bonus episodes about cobblestone you can hear them on the ca on the cabin also on discover wisconsin we did a tour of wisconsin small towns mm -hmm. uh hopefully there'll be more of those because i really really enjoyed doing those <laughs> uh, but we checked out everything from chippewa falls to two rivers to hartford then we went to ashland and superior and just, just had a great time in these towns and uh there there are 30 locations throughout the state mm -hmm. to enjoy and i love the local touches that they do 
because every time you go in one of those hotels in your room, uh, especially in the lobby too, you will find pictures and murals uh, based on that town's history. Cool. So you get the unique perspective of that town just by staying in the hotel. And I will tell you, everything's clean. Everything's nice. It's a great place to stay, whether you're looking for paranormal activity or not. <laughs> That's super fun. Yeah. And so all of those episodes that you mentioned, Eric, you can find either on the Discover Wisconsin app, which is available either in the App Store or in Google Play or, you know, find them on YouTube. Where find we get them. apps, yeah. And, yeah. Anywhere that you can stream, you can stream all of those or our one bonus episode, Seven Small Towns That We Love by Cobblestone Hotels here on the podcast. So mm-hmm. awesome. Yes. Cool. So I actually want to go back to the fact that when we talked with Chad, that all of his like he has a lot of education behind what he's done. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he yeah. could get a master's in that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Oh, my gosh. But speaking of, so he has his bachelor's, he has his master's, a lot in psychology. And I would argue probably a lot of sociology has to come in there if he's sure. studying, you know, those large groups. And, you know, honestly, where else would you go for your master's these days than somewhere super fantastic like UW-Platteville? Oh, yes. Began yes. as a mining school back in the day. Yes. But now, honestly, they have so many great graduate programs, specifically a lot for like their engineering and their project management. Um, so probably not a paranormal activity master's degree, <laughs> <laughs> but really great opportunity. And honestly, like UW Platteville is such an affordable school. It can be done online while people are taking like working full time jobs. I can attest I also got my master's while working full time. It can be done. And if it's done <laughs> at a cheaper place <laughs> like UW Platteville, makes your pocketbook easier even nicer. So um, if you're ever looking for a great opportunity to further your education, definitely check out uw Platteville. And if you go to campus, which is in a beautiful area of the state, Platteville is gorgeous. The world's largest M is right there. That was built by uh, students at UW, what was UW Platteville's original name back in the 30s? What was the original name? Uh, I don't remember. Something about something with an M. (laughs) University of Wisconsin Mining School or something like that. It's that's why it started with an M. Otherwise, oh. it would have been the world's largest P. Yeah. <laughs> or or E for because now it's the school of mining and metallurgy or something like yeah, that. But that's, that's why it's such a good. Yeah. That's why it's such a good engineering school now. Oh, yeah. I'm so, learning so much today. Yeah. I read the ad, but I'm learning a lot just from this conversation. <laughs> you can talk to a lot of the students just by going to Steve's Pizza and hanging out. Oh my gosh! There. All right, our should next, we go behind the scenes? Our Let's next road it. trip. I cannot take credit for this transition, <laughs> it, it was from our guest, but since UW Platteville is nestled in farm country, let's transition to an episode titled From Farm to Flavor with producer Matt Edgar. Welcome back to the cabin. Thank you. This is what, now my, my third time back here? Yeah. yeah. It is. Also, and again, thank you for that witty transition. I had yeah. nothing. Uh, any, anytime, anytime. I'm, I'm known for my extreme wit <laughs> around We're, the What's office. that like? I We're have here no for idea. It. I don't know. Lots of jealousy, I think, surrounding yeah. it. Lots of, lots of witty banter. Fantastic. Uh, Matt, can you tell us about what From Farm to Flavor, a food tour, is all about. Yeah, so this is uh, kind of a deep dive into one of Wisconsin's most iconic foods, uh, pork. It's a food staple that you'll find in many, many aspects of culture. You know, for example, the running of the sausages at what (laughs) used to be Miller Park. I won't call it anything other than that. (laughs) Um, You know, brat fries, things like that. So it's it's pretty ingrained all around the world as a food staple, but definitely in Wisconsin, especially with our heritages. So we kind of explored where does it come from? Who makes it? How is it processed? And then, you know, what are some of the different ways that we as a culture 
kind of enjoy and explore uh, this food culture. Hmm. So we went whole hog on this episode. <laughs> There's that way. I got to be in half of it. Yes. So uh, Jack Taylor uh, did parts, and then I did parts. And why don't you go through the parts? Because parts is parts. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the first segment, we go with Jack through the Driftless area to Governor Dodge State Park Mm. to have a nice all-American grill out uh, at the beach. And we— Tough day of work. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, um, like all episodes in this segment, it was very hot and muggy. Uh, yeah. that day, but um, <laughs> we went out with them, uh, them being the Wolf family who owns a a pork farm in Lancaster, I believe. And so we just decided to go out there and enjoy a nice uh, lunch grill out with them. And we talked a lot about, you know, the ways that pork is good at fueling your body if you know you're having a, a an active day out at the beach jack got super competitive with their kids playing <laughs> like spike ball and stuff on the beach um and then you know talking a little bit about sustainability and, and the importance of protecting the beautiful lands around us cool um so that was segment one and then segment two was with you eric at the state fair ah, yes. yes and the question of the day was how do you cook and how do you dress your brat Mm. So we we went out asking one of life's most important Nobody said questions. A Controversial. I was so disappointed. <laughs> you should have made the joke, Eric. I should have. Yes. Well, I guess yeah. I just did there. Yeah, we got it out there. <laughs> um, so we explored that, and then uh, also went to the Johnsonville Big Taste Grill there, which was crazy. I don't think I've ever seen uh, a semi truck like that. You know, a lot of t- a lot of people have seen the Big Taste Grill on the highway, going from place to place. Rarely do you get a chance to climb up onto it. <laughs> and actually watch them grill this stuff. And it is amazing what this grill does. Yeah. Wow. Huge. Yeah. And then, and then how can you beat, you know, what Grillmaster Jay was laying down yeah. for everybody? Oh, my God. Heavenly. Yeah. It <laughs> smells. It was wonderful. Now, that day at State Fair, it was unbearably hot and muggy. It's one yeah. of the muggiest days I ever experienced, ever. Yeah. You've had the pleasure of being on the hottest and coldest days of my life <laughs> uh, <laughs> this year. Um, one of them being Anago yeah. in the winter last of February. last February. Yeah. And, then and then this one was 105 degree heat index that day, filming around massive semi-truck grills. Oh, boy. We even lost a videographer for a few minutes who dropped yeah. oh, no. early yeah. in the oh, no. day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was oh, it was insanely hot. Um, I think all of us were, were just uh, like, all right, yeah, next thing, next thing. Yeah, we're just uh, trying to survive this day, basically. Yeah. Hour in the <laughs> first aid tent, some ice. Yeah. All, all was better. Yep. But, yeah. Cream uh, puffs. It no. was, uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple cream puffs do help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the air conditioning inside the pavilion helped, yeah. too. But yeah, that was a fun day, and I did get a chance to talk to a lot of people. Yes. And I'm looking forward to seeing what made the cut. Yeah. Well, they all made the cut. Oh, good. Yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We had a lot of fun. The drunker they got by day, the more fun the interviews got. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Some of those responses were ridiculous. Yeah. So, so, (laughs) yeah, I'm looking forward to show that one. And then, yeah, the next, uh, I think, segment three, I'm, I'm in that one, right? Yeah, you're also in segment three. That is the tour of Johnsonville. Oh, the sausage factory. Yeah. And they always joke about sausage factories, but you got to see what they do inside Johnsonville. It's very fascinating. Yeah. And then how do we wrap it up with Jack? 
Uh, Jack goes to the wolf farm in Lancaster, and he gets a farm tour, and then they make him a really incredible uh, farm-to-table dinner that uh, I was extremely jealous filming. <laughs> yeah, you can't eat this stuff. You yeah, just no, gotta no. look at yeah, it. Yeah, and know. after, like, it's like it's like 8 p.m., like, I haven't eaten since 11, and then they're just bringing out this massive spread, and everybody's like, mmm, this is so delicious. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. You Did you get it. to, like, snack after you were done? Yeah, I, okay, I, I, I you get the cold leftovers when like you a, film yeah. food. I'm like a little bottom feeder taking out the scraps. <laughs> yeah, like pork show. You literally got the cold shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. at the end. Oh, so, okay, so perfect. Jack bookends it with a grilling out of pork and then enjoying a nice meal at the farm. And yep. Then in the middle, we get to show how it's made. That's yeah. great. All right. And uh, when does this air? I believe October 30th, 31st. All mm. right. Here's the cool part. You can watch the exclusive early debut of this show, as you always can, on the Discover Wisconsin app before it hits your local broadcast station. Now, you can download the app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Just search Discover Wisconsin starting October 24th. That will be available. And after the episode premieres on TV, you can stream it anytime on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Chromecast, Android TV, Smart TV, and, of course, on the Discover Wisconsin YouTube channel my favorite way to do it Mm -hmm. and then you can also watch it on broadcast valley sports wisconsin saturday october 30th at 10 a.m or check your local listings thanks for coming back matt great to have you back yeah thank you so much awesome well it's time for the review of the week, and this one comes from a YouTube comment that was left on episode 79, Unforgettably Wisconsin, The Driftless Experience, uh, which I guess had a lot of comments, like extra recommendations for things to check out. Uh, so if you haven't checked that out yet... People love the Driftless area. <laughs> head over there and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we join beat the drum for it plenty. It's great yeah. out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this comes from Jason Soka, S-O-C-H-A. Soka or Sosha. Yeah. He says, another great podcast. Really enjoyed this episode on Wisconsin's driftless places. Never knew we had such a thing. Good to know Mm. we do have such special places in our great state. All of you guys are my favorites by far. Nice. (laughs) Susan really shines and makes the production really exciting to watch. Way to go, Susan. That's so nice. Uh, Keep up the good work. Can't wait for the new season to start on TV. Hashtag on Wisconsin. Thanks so much, Jason. Yes, Jason. Well, Jason, aren't you so excited that uh, I believe, was it September 25th? We were back on the air for the rest of season 34. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up for season 35. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're watching on YouTube on the Discover Wisconsin channel. Uh, we kind of changed things a little bit on mm-hmm. there. Um, we're doing kind of shorter campfire conversation highlights on that channel uh, like 10 minute rather than the full episode so it's great to share a link if you want to tell someone about the podcast uh shoot them a link and they don't have to commit a whole what are we at 40 some minutes an episode they don't have to devote that time Uh, that's good yeah Dave, that's a great point. Yeah, if you want to send someone like a little snippet of the cabin, send one of those 10-minute YouTube links. Mm -hmm. Perfect (laughs) bite-size appetizer of the cabin. (laughs) Yeah, then they can catch the whole episode on our audio channel. It's the mozzarella cheese sticks of our podcast. The cheese curds of the podcast. (laughs) Come on, Eric. (laughs) I I love the concept of uh, the mozzarella cheese sticks. Would you like to eat six pieces of string cheese? No, that's too many. What if we deep fry them and serve them with marinara? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. 
That's a good point. Oh, goodness gracious. We didn't push the re- uh, the leaving a five-star review yet. Okay, okay, I'm so sorry. Or if you want to be honest and leave us only a four-star, we can accept that. I right? will not accept it. Okay, five-star five reviews stars only. only. <laughs> On Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That helps the algorithm. Also helps new people discover our show, whether you send them the 10-minute uh, mozzarella stick of our show or not. <laughs> We must, we we must bow okay. to the algorithm. <laughs> anyway, okay. all right. Moving it along. All right. Yes, make sure you join us next week if we all survive after this Halloween. <laughs> uh. And as we get ready to wind things down, a message here from the All of Us Research Program. Insulin, penicillin, the heart transplant. All of these medical breakthroughs were thanks to research. Research made possible with the help of volunteers. And that's where you come in. The All of Us Research Program is asking for people from across the U.S., to share their unique health information. Because the more data researchers have, the faster they can find the next health breakthrough. But there can be no breakthroughs without research. And there's no research without you. Details at joinallofus.org slash discoverwi. Today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by Eric Paulson, Dave Janis, and me, Susan Foch, with guest host Chad Lewis. Produced by me and Audio Dave, with video editing by Quinn Savinak, and social media by me and Courtney Haas. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover Media Works. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com, and don't forget to leave us a review. And here's this week's installment of Know Your Wisconsin. Focus on Energy is celebrating 20 years of helping Wisconsinites reduce their energy use and lower their monthly bills. Whether you own a local home, business, or farm, Focus on Energy can help you identify and fund your next energy-saving projects. A lot of people who know about Focus on Energy think that it's just going and getting LED lights and energy-efficient products. In reality, Focus on Energy sends energy experts to homes, to businesses, to farms, and to schools, and they do an energy audit, and they point out all the ways that those people can save money in their utility bill and reduce energy waste, and Focus on Energy incentivizes them to create those energy-efficient ways in their businesses or their homes. In 2018, a federal study found that Wisconsin is home to the most cost-effective energy efficiency programs, achieving the highest rate of energy savings per dollar spent. This national recognition has other states looking to Wisconsin to help them with their own energy-saving programs. Focus on Energy is what states turn to to see if they can create these energy efficient programs in their states and follow our model to make sure their residents and businesses can get the same things that we have been providing for Wisconsinites for the past 20 years. And now you know your Wisconsin.